Hey, what's up, guys? It's Big Cat. Before you start listening to this episode, I wanted to let you know that we're running a special sale on all Barstool merch. Go to store.barstoolsports.com and use code PODCAST for 10% off. Go to store.barstoolsports.com and use code PODCAST for 10% off. What it is! This is the Macho Man Randy Savage. And this is Hard Factor. And there is no one that does it better right now. Yeah, no. But he does it better. I ain't repeating myself. Go ahead, tell me something right now. Yeah, I'm living in a nightmare. And I'm not a racist. And I'm always cheering. Oh, yeah. of Hard Factor presented by the Barstool News Network. It is Thursday, June 11th, 2020. We have a packed show. News stories up front. Interview with the Dutch Hammer in the back. Wes, get us going. All right, guys, got some new developments in the George Floyd tragedy. First, his brother spoke to the House Judiciary Committee for an oversight hearing on uh, policing and law enforcement accountability uh, yesterday. It was extremely sad. He painted the picture for everyone in that room and the world of what it was like to lose a brother in that way, um, mm-hmm. saying, quote, I can't tell you the kind of pain you feel when you watch something like that. When you watch your big brother, who you looked up to your whole entire life, die, died begging for his mom. Um, so, yeah, just a very sad. Oh. Um, yeah, sad, 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 sad as sad, it sad. gets, honestly, sad as it gets. It he called it. Uh, yeah, uh, he's called the death um, a modern day lynching of his brother in broad daylight. And pointed out that until his last last breath, his brother called the officer sir, um, even as they killed him, uh, calling him a gentle giant and pleaded to lawmakers saying, quote, George called for help and he was ignored. Please listen to the call I'm making to you now to the calls of our family and the calls ringing out in the streets across the world, saying his brother did not deserve to die for twenty dollars, referring to that he was stopped for the counterfeit twenty dollar bill. He went on to say, quote, making the necessary changes to make law enforcement the solution. And uh, not the problem is what he was after. So powerful stuff. Um, hopefully some of it got through. Yeah, for yeah. sure. I mean, uh, strong statements from from the Floyd family who's been, you know, handling the situation incredibly well, I think, you know, considering oh, the yeah. amount of, you know, the magnifying glass they've been under ever since this has happened. So for sure, it's awful. And just um, a heads up, the whole episode today is more of a serious <clears throat> one as he, as Wes started us out with that. And then we end with a 30-minute interview from 20-year police officer retired for disability, Dutch Hammer. So, yep. um, yeah. Uh, but the radio show today is hilarious. We have an interview with KB. Or we have a debate with KB and Nick. So that's mm-hmm. going to be hilarious. Hey, don't put the pod. Hey, pod yeah. listeners, yeah. you guys got a ride ahead of you. Oh, it's no, a big this show. Is, no, no. Look, yeah. this is a good show, and it's, 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 it's needed news. What else is going on in that front, well, Wes? Let's keep, keep it going with some other developments. Um, uh, another news, a new person has emerged supporting the claims by the Floyd family that the relationship between Chauvin, the cop that killed him, and Floyd was not a great one, and that the death was a personal one. Um, David Pinney, who worked with Chauvin and Floyd at the same uh, time at that Minneapolis nightclub uh, where they both worked, said, quote, 
they bumped heads. Uh, it was a lot. It has it has a lot to do with the Derek being extremely aggressive within the club with some of the patrons, which was an issue. Uh, so Floyd did, did did not like how Chauvin handled himself with the uh, with the patrons in there. Oh, you don't yeah, so say. Chauvin got hired, uh, which happens with police a lot, it, to, to yeah. do security when he was off duty. So like a lot of times, you know, on movie sets or clubs, they'll hire a cop, pay him yeah. sixty five bucks an hour, so, or whatever, and he was a bouncer. Yeah. So mm-hmm. you're saying, yeah, Floyd. So you're saying Chauvin, who had 18 violent strikes against him, was also rude and violent to the nightclub customers. Yeah, he just wasn't a wasn't a nice guy. This guy sounds a like a piece of shit. Yeah, now, what a shock yeah. that is, right? Exactly. Yeah. Um, even the owner uh, Maya Santa Maria, uh, the owner of the club, which has since been uh, burned down, has also remarked he believes Chauvin had a problem with black people and that he was intimidated uh, by and afraid of them. So yeah, I saw that interview. That was like the the. Um, on the first weekend of protesting, they were talking. I believe it. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Um, and finally, um, cops gets canceled and now live PD is some ser- is in some serious shit after they destroyed footage uh, slash evidence of some Williamson County, Texas police officers killing a man while in their custody. Um, so what happened is back in March 2019, Javier Ambler, uh, while being arrested for a traffic violation, was killed by Taser uh, pleading for his life while the Whoa. cameraman taped the incident. Um, so they, uh, they tasered him like three times and then they tasered him a fourth time and that, that killed him. That can that, kill you a taser. Yeah. Yes, I mean, for sure. Yeah. Absolutely. If, if you, if you get, we talked, we talked about that before, like, uh, yeah. with our, with our hearts, it would probably kill us if we got tased four times. Yeah. Absolutely. Hmm. Um, so it's fucked I'm up. Careful run outlets with our, with the shape that we're in, to be honest with you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no electricity for us. So uh, show representatives say they cannot um, hand the tape of the murder over to investigators because they destroyed it. They destroyed the evidence. And let me tell you, I worked in TV. Um, if you destroy a tape, you know you're doing something wrong, especially if it's uh, of something like that. Um, cancel, cancel this show, too. If yeah, they destroy this tape, cancel the show, too. Well, live Someone PD's was saving their worse, own ass. Live PD is worse than cops, honestly. So if they cancel not cops, nearly as, like... Not nearly as good, in my opinion, as well. Well, I agree with you. Also, yeah. electricity, I'm swapping out light fixtures over here, le- willy-nilly left and right. Okay? Be careful, so, Will. I'm, hey, dude, yeah, use, no, those, use you know, those metal mesh gloves I sent you. The, the rubber nope. with the rubber lining. Use those. Nope. Nope. Just okay. uh, barehand them. Yep. Birthday present goes right. to waste, guys. Here's a terrible and confusing headline for you. Pregnant elephant explodes after accidentally eating a fruit stuffed with explosives. Jesus mm. Christ. She's okay. pregnant, too? That's not good. Yeah, I know. All right. Dang. Indian police arrested a man episode. on... No, I know. I know. Unless you hate elephants, but who does? Uh, Indian police <laughs> on Friday arrested a man after it was determined that this man had filled a pineapple to the brim with explosives, and then a 15-year-old elephant who is unfortunately not trained to identify bombs, ate the tasty treat, but got more than just the explosion of flavor that she was expecting. After the tart treat detonated inside of her body, the elephant was unable to eat, uh, probably out of fear that all food was now combustible and tragically died related to those complications. Apparently, what the man... This episode was brought to you by Jimmy John's. Jimmy John's, yeah. (laughs) When it's big and it's it's endangered, we kill it. Blow Uh, it up. Apparently, what the man was trying to do is create what's called a bait bomb, uh, which is typically used to kill stupid, smelly wild boars and not cute, majestic elephants. Uh, The state forest department announced the arrest and said it was investigating whether uh, he was a poacher or farmer who wanted to kill the elephant to prevent it from damaging his crops. Uh, Terrible Mm. shit. I do want to point out the uh, hypocrisy of it being okay to use a bomb to kill one animal uh, who everyone hates. But if you kill another animal with that bomb, then you're everyone gets pissed off. Well, I mean, everybody loves an elephant. Nobody yeah. likes a hog. 
Right. That's true. Taking That's true. y'all. Uh, at uh, Mamie says, the guy who did this should be charged for double homicide. Should be hanged until death. Please, guys, no. a lesson should be thought. Animals are treated worst in our country. It's a cold-blooded murder. Hashtags Indeed. elephant lives matter. Hashtags justice for elephant. You Can know, you imagine a jury of 12 elephants? Oh, mm-hmm. bro. Well, they'd be wise, though. They'd be wise. They'd never yeah, forget sure. it, a single fact. You know who's looked really bad through this whole thing? Vegans, just in general. The whole, the whole, the, the animals, trying to equate animals to people uh, at this during this whole uh, past few months yeah, has been totally don't fuck with animals oh. but guys we are animals humans and there is a food I chain thought, unfortunately i thought i thought you were gonna say because they're too weak to protest yeah they're, i they're mean anemic yeah. need iron there's several yeah. there's lots of fronts you know <laughs> why vegans are having trouble but. shout uh, out shout out pat and maya's dad vegans hey look the health choice yeah. can be great but like when you start getting on your high yeah. horse and you start like uh, high horsing everybody yeah. with your yeah. veganism that's that no true not. Not in hey, this environment. I'm not, not going to argue with, uh, I think my pop dropped acid and then became a vegan. So I'm not going to argue with what he Look, saw. OK, well, all I'm saying is just chill out on like the on like the people and animals are the same thing until like August. Just just give it a rest. You know, my yeah. dad beat cancer with veganism. So as much as I make fun of it, you know. Yeah. So essentially, thank, Will, thank, thank is, you. Will yeah. is shitting on your dad's cancer recovery there. So kind of, there's yeah. many cool. positives. Thanks, thanks Will. There's many positives, uh, but the high horsing is a negative. And yeah, I'm going no to stick with yeah. that. Hey, what's, up stick with that what's up with that NASCAR Fair shit, Willie? That's right. So some, some good news. On Wednesday, NASCAR formally banned Confederate flags at any of their properties and races. Period. We're talking about the race teams, the fans, no more stars and bars. Uh, so, I mean, that's it, basically. Hold the Confederate on. flag. Where else does would the, you fly one? Does you know? this apply I mean, to clothing, though? Because uh, they're going to have a real problem. Well, interesting. No, I think just the flag, the clothing. Well, you probably can't wear it on anything. No, I'm, I'm guessing the clothing, too, Pat. I how, do not. How, that first <laughs> year is going to be great because there's going to be a lot of people that are like, hey, man, you got to take honey. You got to take that off. Or right. You gotta, they have you not leave. clarified how they're going to enforce this. So how are they going to find a <laughs> racist Rick's camp in the infield? <laughs> Always looking for the Confederate flag. Find, well, right. Find old I, Rick. I hate to do this to you, honey, but that Confederate flag bikini top is got to come. Well, off. and then you got to then you got to see it's SEC country, so you you then you got to think about all the Confederate flags that are school colors because there's mm-hmm. tons of those in the South. So then, what are they going to do with those ones too? You know, it's a, it's a lot to think about. But in general, the Confederate flag, you know, it lost right. Like I grew up in a family uh, where you know, like we the Confederacy wasn't necessarily thought of as as inferior they thought of it as like a you know military pride thing stonewall jackson was a hero of mine as a kid he's a confederate general but his best friend james reno fought on the right side of the american army during the civil war and that's why he's got a city named after him and stonewall although a badass name does not have a city named after him the confederates lofts face facts we're all americans and not confederates because abe lincoln was correct to end slavery so just uh you know maybe retire the old stars and bars it's over the troll um, here is going to be the Mississippi flag. That's what people are going to do. They're going to hang the Mississippi flag, which has a Confederate flag in it. See what I'm saying? Mm, they're going to say, yeah. what do you mean, man? That's a Mississippi Does flag, it? not a Confederate flag. Yeah. Is it still? Yeah, pretty well, sure. 
People hold yeah, on to this thing pretty tight, tightly, Mark. Uh, so I doubt uh, that NASCAR right. will be. You are right, Pat. And wow. they're trying to remove it actively. They're trying to remove it right, right. now. They're like, oh, God, Mississippi. Jesus. Well, and, and also I think, uh, you know, Florida or Georgia, I forget. There's there's several southern flags that resemble the Confederate flag. Uh, but anyways, the no more at NASCAR and, you know, stars and bars. It's over. Probably just hang it up. Everybody should be, uh, you know, red, white, and blue, stars and stripes. In other news, uh, the Dems, the Democrats, are calling for the removal of all Confederate statues in the Capitol, the U.S. Capitol, which is funny since all the statues are of Democrats. So, um, and NASCAR people have have, have already (laughs) said they're not going to go to NASCAR if they can't. They're going to fucking go to NASCAR if they, even if the flags aren't there. That's a that's a a huge protest, huge party. They're going to go to NASCAR because they're going to be there. Fly my Confederate flag. That's heritage, not hate. Right. There's going to be a lot of heritage, not hate. There's also going to be a lot of Confederate flags. Still, is my guess for the first couple of years where they figured out how the hell they're going to like police that because they have not Mm -hmm. announced. Uh, Right. So they Dems want to take down the statues of the Confederates in the Capitol who were Democrats themselves. Uncoincidentally, President Trump uh, thinks that they shouldn't even rename the names of uh, bases, military bases uh, that are named after Confederates. He wants the historical reminder there. Uh, you know, and that it's not worth it to be changed. Um, so that's what's going on with the Confederate memorabilia all over the U.S. What's with the the heritage and the needing to remember history? If it was on the if you're on the wrong side of history, why can't you just? I think it's just family connection, right? Replace, who, who gives a fuck? Yeah, <laughs> who gives a fuck about your fucking great 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 grandfather that was a racist? Like it's like six generations ago, five generations. Like fuck off. Well, like yeah, interestingly time. enough, Mark, and this, this is even more to your argument. Uh, a woman died last week who was still receiving Civil War, her dad's Civil War pension. So she was it was the last Civil War checks being cut. Are we supposed to learn from history? Let's well, there say, you go. Name, it's done. Name then. these bases. Yeah. Name these fucking bases after good things. Who gives a flying fuck? fuck well, he's saying, there, he's the saying they're already named. Yeah. Is it, 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 well, yeah. who gives a fuck? You can change names of things. Well, mm-hmm. it costs money. Costs money. Pay, you're going to pay. You're going to pay to change that sign. It's going to piss a lot of people off, Mark. Why? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is right. kind of lame that they define their grandfathers exclusively by their military service. Why? Like, like, remember them in a different way. They know it pisses off a lot of people. They should just get with the fucking program and maybe. Okay. Stars right. and all Stripes. Right. We're a Stars and Stripes podcast. Stars and Stripes all the way. That's right. All right. Have you guys ever needed the perfect gift? gift but didn't know what to get i mean yes a, a, yeah, exactly right <laughs> all the time yeah. a big occasion like an mm. important anniversary uh something like that there's only one move that you can make in that situation and that's paintyourlife.com who will send you an original painting i'm talking about painted painted by hand by a world-class artist done from hand uh just from a photo your favorite photo whatever you want to send them and they will do it masterfully Okay, if you want to give a truly meaningful gift, you've got to try paintyourlife.com. Get a professional hand-painted portrait created from any photo that you want. Your favorite picture. Mark's going to do all of his cats. He might even dress them up like they're playing poker or something like that. And he sends it in. And then, yeah, and then it's a truly affordable price. Paintyourlife.com, they get you that painting back of your favorite picture. And they get it to the the important people that you need the gift to get to. Quick and easy process. Get a hand-painted portrait in about three weeks. Send any picture, yourself, your children, cats, family, spouse, whatever, or combine multiple photos for the perfect masterpiece. At PaintYourLife.com, there is no risk. If you don't love the final painting, your money is refunded. Incredible. Guaranteed. And right now, as a limited time offer, get 20% off your painting. That's pretty good. That's right. 20% off and free shipping. 
That's also good considering you're going to get a big painting and you're going to want that free shipping. To get this special offer, text the word FACTOR to 64000. That's FACTOR to 64000. Text FACTOR to 64000. Paint your life. Celebrate the moments that matter most. And yeah, and I just want to point right. one thing out. If you're in the dating pool right now, uh, this is a really good investment because there's nothing that says this guy is marriage material than when a lady walks in your house and sees a large oil painting of you uh, over your couch or in your living room. I mean, she will really be oh, like, yeah. who is this guy? It's very impressive. It's a check in the pro column for sure. Um, so heavy show, guys. Have a year, right? But yeah. I have some good news for you, something that will surely go well in 2020, and I cannot possibly jinx it by talking about it right now. That is the PlayStation 5 is coming out at the end of the year, right? Really? Right? Come yeah, on. Right? I just right? got on. my Call of Duty download update on PS4, well, and now there's Pat, a new... Okay. Six months. Six months from now, and there will be Call of Duty on this PlayStation 5 and much, much better Cross-compatibility. Yeah, mm. cross-compatibility as well. Today at 1 p.m., Sony will reveal the design, the price, the release date, and all available games for the PlayStation 5. Nothing will go wrong with the stream. The price will be extremely affordable. I'm thinking 150 bucks, right? COVID pricing. And the games <laughs> will be plentiful. There will be a new Skyrim, as well as Bethesda's new Outer Space RPG, Starfield, Final Fantasy VII Remake Second Part will be ready to go. NCAA football will be brought back. No. Now, no. no that's not true. That's not true. Um, you're just going to have to tune into the stream at 1 p.m. today uh, or read about it after to find out what exactly uh, Sony's uh, telling you about the PlayStation 5. Personally, though, I don't care if it costs $800, which it's widely rumored to cost. But uh, I'm, right, I'm, yeah, I'm getting it. Be... It's rumored to cost $765. I'm getting it. Yeah. Uh, it's a new system, guys. <laughs> this happens like once every seven-ish years. That's like two Olympics of the same season. Two cycles of it. Uh, and also, two is the amount of terabytes the hard drive will have. That's like probably three PlayStation 5 games you can have going on at the same time in your hard drive. Um mm. I don't care. I don't care that the new Xbox X is rumored to be $150 less because it's an Xbox. Uh, if I was given a free Xbox X, I would still buy a PlayStation 5 and I would probably return the Xbox X to a GameStop for credit to the uh, to PlayStation 5 or try to sell it on like eBay or whatever um, mm -hmm. or Craigslist because I don't want the Xbox X. I want the PlayStation 5. PlayStation 5 is coming. When's the Xbox X coming That's out? good news. Same time, but who, 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 who fucking cares? I want to yeah. check this thing out. I'm, I'm going to see. I'm a PlayStation guy now, but I might be able to be swayed if it's not $765. PlayStation 5 is going to be magical. It's yeah, you were play. a GameCube guy, Will. That was bold. Yeah. Well, I've right. been 360. I've been PS3. PS5. You've always been a contrarian. I've, I've, You've been a I can, contrarian I can go back systems. and forth. I can go back and forth. I appreciate Xbox, that about you. X, Xbox and Mountain Dew for Will. Okay, but uh, now <laughs> we have an interview with the Dutch Hammer. All right, I'd like to introduce to the show a longtime listener of the show and a retired police officer of the Mattoon Police Department in Illinois, David Vanderport. David was a police officer for 20 years. Uh, he has joined the show today to have a conversation with us about, you know, what's going on with, with law enforcement and to talk about kind of the state of affairs of, of, of that world from a perspective of a, a retired police officer. So welcome to the show, David. Thanks, sir. Thank you guys so much for having me. Good to have you. Some of our listeners may know you by your other name. We're going to go by David today, but this is the Dutch Hammer. For That's me. correct. Yeah. May, may have been playing that long. is correct. This the is Dutch the Dutch Hammer. Hammer. <laughs> so welcome to the show. Um, yeah, I mean, this is a bit of a serious conversation. Yeah. It's not as, as much fun as the voicemails and stuff we've had in the past because yeah. things have escalated quickly after the George Floyd incident, which was a terrible and disgusting incident. So, um, I mean, I think we each have a couple questions and we'll just want to have a conversation with you. Uh, First and foremost, uh, so David has a book. You want to tell us about your book? 
Sure. Um, so about two years ago, well, first of all, I'm, I'm a retired slash disabled uh, police officer. I was disabled uh, in the line of duty. Uh, well, it'll be four years in July. But, you know, I hit some pretty hard times uh, mentally and, I, you know, I was going through a lot of things. I lost my identity. You know, I was a police officer for 20 years. Now, what am I going to do? You know, so right. uh, kind of as a therapeutic endeavor, I just started writing some things down, you know, that either I had seen um, other police officers had spoke to me about, uh, you know, things like that. And uh, one morning. I was having coffee with an old uh, college professor and he uh, suggested we try to make a book out of it. And uh, that's Dr. Roger Whitlow, who's the, uh, he wrote the intro to the book, but um, yeah, so it turned into a book and man, little did I know when I released it in mid May, you know, the times were going to, you know, change drastically. Um, Yes. Interesting Mm -hmm. timing. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, 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 no kidding. Uh, reading your book, um, one thing that struck me was that cops are constantly around uh, domestic violence and violence on the street. Do you think that maybe all the violence that police are around all the time, some cops become very comfortable with it, at, you know, after after a point in time, or they're just not dealing with it right? And do you think that there's a way to like enforce mental health treatment? On, on an entire force in a way that you could sort of combat that, how much constant trauma that police are dealing with, with all the violence around them all the time? Uh, that's an excellent question. And it, it, it uh, yeah, the, the violence that police officers see every day, it, it, there is no way that it can't affect you somehow, some way, you know, you can go into the job being, you know, the most, uh, sound of mind and body. And then after, you know, I say about every four years, a police officer, hits kind of a wall. Uh, I did, I saw it happen to many of my coworkers and other police officers that I've talked to. You kind of, you kind of hit a wall where you, you get burnt out, you know, all that stuff, mm-hmm. you know, the domestics, the, the, the dead babies, the, the, uh, the car accident, you name it, it just piles up, you know? Right. Um, and uh, to get to the other part of your question, you know, I don't know that there's a way you can force any type of mental health training on a police department simply because of the unions and, you know, right. most police departments have a pretty strong union, but they have to do in-service training every year, at least here in Illinois. And you could make it part of mandatory in-service training Every year, you know, just even a couple hours or just creep it in somewhere. It seems like it would help. You well, know? That, that's an interesting, interesting <laughs> point. I was to. thinking about I was thinking about that. Like, so it's kind of referenced in your book. You start with this like super like positive mentality of saving the world. And then at some point you become like numb to it almost. You do. do you think that like at a certain time you should maybe have at least a sabbatical like a year off or maybe just not even be allowed to be a police officer and have to move into like a different area than being like a beat cop after like five, 10 years or something like that. Do you think something like that could help? So it may not be a bad idea to move, you know, people around in within different units, but I don't think, I've never really thought about it, you know, to, if a police officer were taking a sabbatical. But um, I, I think more than anything, 
counseling would help every single mm. one. Do you think that, um, that, that, you know, police officers would be, would be open to that? Um, you know, if, if it was available to them, I maybe like some cops are, I don't know, stereotyping, you know, tough guys and might not want to sit on a couch and talk to a shrink, um, you know, about their, their personal lives. You know, some of this stuff is hard to talk about, but do you think that's something that cops would be open to from your experience? No, <laughs> unfortunately, <laughs> no. I mean, yeah. you would probably, now there are several that would, you know, I don't want to paint all of them with a broad brush because certainly that's not the case here, but no matter what the training is, we used to complain. I'd be like, Oh man, I got to go to this training. I go to that training. Unless it was, you know, something fun like firearms training. But as far as the mental health training goes, nothing right now. um, As far as I know, unless it's changed just very recently, there's nothing that says a police officer must do this, this or this for their, you know, their mental wellness now every well twice a year you have to qualify with your firearm you have to to be able to carry it if you fail the firearms qualification guess what you don't get to carry the firearm so yeah what's more what's more important in your opinion for a cop a good brain or a good gun it's got to be the brain because (laughs) i guarantee i guarantee my brain got me out of countless situations as a police officer and thank the lord I never had to fire my you know uh, gun at someone. Um, oh, nice! In the line of duty, you know, did I have to? But you did. Yes, you did. But, you did get stabbed and attacked with baseball bats and and all sorts lots of, of other fights. stuff. Yeah. yeah. And, <laughs> um, that is really interesting. What you just said, though, it seems like the training is focused on being a good shot versus being sound of mind. Yeah. Hand to hand combat training. There's not you know, that that's rare too. And you're putting hands on folks every shift, you know, damn near every shift, you know, Mm. um, and many times a shift, whether it be, you know, to control them, um, or just to put handcuffs on them. And I I agree, you got to do that firearms training, but why, why can't we put in some mental health, mental wellness training also? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the physical contact. Yeah. Makes sense. The mental health training seems to be a uh, right, like a solution to the to the the problem that we haven't addressed yet because it's you know everyone it's on the top of and on the tip of everyone's tongue in America and around the world right now, right? Yeah. Uh, what, what's what's let's let's address what the problem is. What causes the problem, not what a solution to the problem is. The first question would be: Do you feel that African American people are justified in their anger and frustration that they're demonstrating? based upon the way they've been treated by the police force at large in your experience. Yes, absolutely. 100%. I mean, it's gone on too long. There have been too many African Americans killed by police officers in this country. Uh, One that was struck close to home was in Ferguson, um, you know, by St. Louis was it probably six years ago now. And I remember yeah, Michael Brown. what's that? Michael Brown, I think, right? Yeah. Yes. Yes. And, you know, there were demonstrations in the streets, you know, people and all around the country. As far as I know, nothing so, got changed from from that. And now here we are again. And, the, and in between that, uh, you know, Mr. Brown and Mr. Floyd, how many others? Is it a situation where there are police who are racist and they're unaware of it? You know, they're they're bringing prejudices 
into a scenario where they see a black person and maybe subconsciously or consciously assume this person's different or more dangerous. Some people have brought up the point in some respects that um, the reason that black people get shot is because their influence in some respects is not as strong. Like, you know, it's like you can't shoot a white guy. You can't mistreat a white guy because they might be connected to – yeah. Government, they might be connected to law. If they if they cry, people are going to listen. Whereas a lot of times, the African American communities margin is marginalized. I've heard that too, but in the in the heat of the moment, you're not thinking that this person is black, this person is white. Now, um, and I don't know those officers in Minneapolis. You know, they may not have a racist bone in their body, but the fact of the matter is. The one was responsible for killing a black man in broad daylight on video. After being begged not to for eight minutes. I was sick. And I know a lot of uh, other police officers, 99.9% of us are good folks, don't have a racist bone in our body. But as Pat was asking, Are there some that may be racist? Well, I do think absolutely. Just like in any other profession, you're going to have folks that are assholes or, you know, or racist, you know, this sort of thing. It it just gets exacerbated when, you know, there's a police officer involved um, in any situation, but let alone the type of situations that we've seen, you know, um, across America for many, many, many years now. Another thing you talked about in your book was about the cop culture. I uh, like the chapters about the um, bikers and Marines, yeah. uh, the similarities there. And then also like the, the, the uh, gang members in the prison yeah. and like how their structure was similar. Yeah. It struck me as very similar to athletics, yes. cops, military, any type of organization like that, where it's got sort of a more uh, macho culture. Um, and so do you think that sometimes maybe the stresses or the pressure of being in that type of a culture can also raise the likelihood of somebody, you know, doing something stupid that's way too aggressive, basically. I think so. And I think, um, you know, that pressure just, you know, fear is contagious. You know, I, I think we, mm-hmm. we all know that. And, you know, we've seen it with some of the riots, um, you know, you know, fear is contagious. Cops are scared, get scared too. you know, we're human. Mm-hmm. Um if you know we're, we're going on a traffic stop, you know the person that we pull over is going to be scared, no doubt. Um, I mean, hell, I get, if I get pulled over, I'm scared still to this day. Right. My heart, boom, 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 boom. And I'm Same. yeah. There's yeah. a good there's a good chance I at least I have weed in the car. Will too probably. You know, it's like, you may <laughs> have forgotten about it. Thankfully. Yeah, I'm yeah. always scared. I'm like, I should have had weed in the car. Oh, I don't. Mm-hmm. Okay, good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, so if they're scared and the police officer uh, is also scared, whether they want to admit it or not, there's still, you know, there's going to be some fear because you don't know when you're walking up to that car what you're going to come. You may come, come upon somebody with an AK-47. I've been watching a lot of uh, videos. I think we all have like, you know, dash cam videos, bo- body cam videos in the last couple weeks, right? Yeah. And absolutely, you know, there's been a lot, there's a lot of instances where there's mul- a multiracial police force, right, exhibiting 
vulgar acts of power over humans that don't need to be. You know, it's not always just a white officer on a black officer, et cetera. Yeah. And there's a lot of instances as well. And obviously, these are going to be predominantly more uh, easily accessible on the Internet. But instances where a cop is walking up to a human, there's a chance that that human, and it's not unheard of, that that human is going to draw a weapon on you. Sure. And, and that creates a a culture of fear absolutely for the police i think how often does that happen it's very rare but i will say this we prepare for the worst you know police officers have to prepare for the worst you have to think that you know we don't yeah when i walk up to that car there might be somebody in there uh with a firearm but there's ways to do that without you know, being a total tool about it, you know, goes back to the training. It goes right? all, and, and it goes go, back to the training, yeah. you know, and, and, uh, who's doing the training, you know, do they have the qualifications to even be doing the training? You know, there used to be a joke that if you were 50 miles from home, you know, you were an expert. Right. Okay. So uh, it didn't matter how many years you had on, if you were just, uh, some guy that got appointed chief because you knew the mayor, it, you were more than 50 miles from home, so you could teach on this. But no, you, it all goes back to the training. You know, you you need to have that in the back of your mind. Yes, there could be, you know, some nefarious folks in this car. But guess what? To answer your question, Pat, it doesn't happen that often. In your book, you have a, a, a chapter called Bigot and you have a chapter called Brotherhood. And the police force obviously is a brotherhood, right? Like you, you oh, no one knows what's going on like other fellow police officers. You know, you, you, you can only really talk with them about it. You have this common bond. At the same time, there are bigots in the police force without a doubt. Now, yeah. not, not a high percentage of them, but there are. You yeah. even wrote about it in your book. Yeah. How do you weed these people out? How do you try to have a culture where you have a brotherhood, but you get rid of the bigots? Well, I I was lucky enough to never work with anyone that I felt was a straight up bigot, you know. Um, but we all know that there are bigots out there. I'd be sitting here lying to you guys if I tried to say there ain't one cop that's a bigot, you know. Yeah, the secondhand story in the book was intense. Now, that was a yeah. one of the craziest like the, teen, the teenagers or the not preteens. Yeah, that was intense. Yeah. They're there. Bigots are there now. How do we weed them out? Good question. <laughs> um, yeah. I think it just, it, it's not okay. And we have to make it not okay. Uh, mm. Something has to change. And do, if we, do you, you know, think the takes, bill, do you think, have you looked at the bill at all? They're going to create this like database for people who have had incidents uh, that may be racially charged, I guess, or over violent and that they, then they can't be transferred to other Precinct stuff like that. Do you think that'll help uh, the, the issue? Yeah, I, I think that if we can, you know, if it's a legitimate reason they're fired, you know, and it's followed up with an investigation and, and it wasn't somebody getting railroaded. I absolutely. Those people right. don't need to be police officers. I, I kind of wanted to touch on uh, there's a chapter in your book where you're sitting next to a, a um, I, I think it was a Marine. He had lost his leg in a bar. And you're talking about, you know, how much um, help he's gotten from the government from after coming home. And, and you talk about, you know, politicians who sent him there probably spent, you know, the exact amount of money that he got paid on a glass of scotch or whatever in a bar. And then you also talk about some of the meth labs that you went and you didn't have proper protection. Um, and, you know, th there seems like some disdain for the, the politicians and the, you know, local people, the, uh, 
you know, towards, uh, from the police towards them. And then now you have kind of the media, um, switching over. And there's a recently that police chief that went on air is talking about how the police are being vilified and made to look like animals. Um, if you can, you know, try to put yourself in, in being a cop in the position right now, um, how the media is treating the police or what they're, you know, on one side portraying the police as, um, can you speak to that and, and how maybe you would feel given the circumstances and, and the way that the, the police are kind of being portrayed in the media and coming from a cop that is obviously, you know, was a good cop. Yeah. I tried. Politicians have always seemed to you know, crap on the military. It seems like when they, especially they came home from Vietnam, you know, they didn't get proper care. And in some instances these days, they still don't get the proper care. Um, and you see that also even within, uh, you know, I, I came from, uh, the city has, you know, 20,000 people. Well, small town politics can be some of the, the most nasty things you've ever seen. Supposedly. Oh yeah. Cause there's nobody there to even see what's happening. Mm-hmm. Right. They can get away with murder. Well, you, yeah. And then the sheriff's races and stuff that, you know, they sling mud everywhere, but, um, it always just seemed like. To us, uh, that the police department was the last on the rung to get, you know, funding for this, funding for that. And so mm-hmm. that's kind of where that came from, um, kind of the disdain for some of the politicians uh, seeing um, military members still to this day get crapped on. And then also knowing from being on the inside that they crap on the police departments, too. And then, you know. Police officers are used to being vilified in the media. Um, 20 years, well, in 1997, when I started, um, I remember thinking, what did I get myself into? You know, cause seeing on the news, this cop did that, that cop did that. It was always bad stuff. They never show the good stuff that, you mm-hmm. know, every day goes on in America. That the, You know, just like the chief marching with the, the protesters. Why not? What what are your thoughts on defunding the police? Okay, I would. There obviously there has to be more funding for mental wellness. We know that there just has to be. Uh, like I, I think I was speaking with you, Mark. Mental health is the dirty little secret that you know nobody wants to talk about, but it's in. It, it's always the six hundred pound peak elephant in the room. Okay, and so something has to be done. Now I don't know that taking money away from those other areas is going to help. I think and in, in terms of defunding the police, I think what they mean, just to clarify, is this is a, a it's the public saying, hey, this is fucked up. Something needs to change. And this is one way that we can exact change upon you is to mess with your money and your budgets and your jobs. Right. Yeah. Uh, I don't I don't right. think it's a, a malicious thing where people are coming in and say, shut them down, cut them, you know, kill them. I think maybe in one respects they might be saying hey maybe less traffic cops i read something that said like if you defund you know 8% of the austin police or something like that you could cure 75% of of homelessness cuz they could build shelters and stuff and w- something like that maybe you need less traffic police cuz there's less homeless people causing a problem on the streets so mm-hmm. what are your thoughts on like reallocating funds like what kind of what what's the balance like how how much Austin's can we got defund? a good history with building uh homeless shelters, by the way right they <laughs> should that, just add I mean, more that, that could also be a completely be... completely wrong fact that's well, something i just read that could be completely wrong austin <laughs> does have one of the most progressive speaking, homeless yeah. communities in the Hi- country hypothetically yeah they also speaking, built a mall yeah. <laughs> for them right downtown that, that was like, a mistake uh, that was that a was... huge mistake that was a, a giant blunder by the city. Maybe to rephrase, so. do you think that police are overpopulated? Do you think there are some 
police yeah. forces that could be – you have too many police in some areas. Are there I, inefficiencies in the force? I don't think – no. I think just the opposite. There's not enough. The bad eggs. That's who right. we need to – now, if we're going to get rid of officers and do defunding, well, then find those bad eggs, get them out, and, you know, that's where your, you know, your defunding is going to come from. But you start taking police yeah. officers, you mm-hmm. the response time is not only – it's going to double. And the ability level, right? Up. I think a lot of the complaints yeah. are about how – anybody can become a cop right now, especially when the unemployment was super low. Right. And so like uh, you start going in that direction, you take away resources from the police. They're not going to be able to attract the type of people necessarily, whether that's the people providing mental health, if you're going to make changes in that area to make everybody's brain healthier or the cops on the force themselves, you got to pay them enough to make sure that they're high quality individuals. Yes. And we need to make sure they're educated individuals too. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, at least a, a two year degree, you know, have some, some type of, uh, educational background, um, you know, maybe even a four year degree, but we need to start not, you know, we, our officers need to be more educated in uh, many different fields. Um, you know, number one is, you know, cultural diversity you know i think that yeah. has to be a huge one you got i can i tell you a story real quick of course please okay. on the cultural diversity tip now when i was in training many many years ago but the best thing they did was they had this gentleman come in who had saggy blue jeans on he was wearing some type of jersey uh he had his hat on backwards had a gold chain and he was african-american well they the instructors told us that this gentleman was coming in because it was part of his probation and he had to come and speak to cadets, new cadets at the uh, police training institution up at the university of Illinois. So he comes in and of course he's being a total jerk to all of us, you know, pig this pig that well, there were people that wanted to fight him. I mean, they want to kick his ass. Okay. And when he (laughs) turns and walks out the room, there were people following him. Like, oh, no, he was going, you know, that, he was a cop. He was, you know, right. <laughs> that was one of the best ways to to me to show some cultural diversity and to show who the knuckleheads are in the class that are you know, going to react to uh, either African-Americans or probationers or whatever the case may be. But yeah, training, I, I training, like that training. training. Yeah, tricky, more of that training. that's a tricky that's, training. But so, <laughs> so on that on that on that piece, I think at, at, I was also reading that it's like training for police academies an average of like twenty one weeks. I don't know how accurate that is, but yeah, in other countries, three yeah, months, three months yeah. in the, at the University of Illinois, and then uh, like six months on the job or FTO type okay. stuff is what you're supposed to do. But. I've seen other countries like Sweden, Denmark those type of places do like multiple years of training to your point on education of a couple of years, maybe like one of these things could be, you could, you could kind of have college for police a couple of years of training, maybe where it's like specifically on the job training and maybe paid for who knows. I think that, but more training might help as well. Um, Most definitely. Yeah. I don't think you can ever go wrong with more training. Um, You know, even extend the probationary period, which is usually a year you know, getting back to what you were saying, having a, a national database might not be a bad idea for those right. bad eggs mm-hmm. and tracking those bad eggs. But 
Yes. I think it's a great idea for the police force. I think it would be a great idea for the Catholic Church. <laughs> Amen to so, that, sir. Yeah. There's another factor, right? And that's accountability. No. Uh, no matter how good the people are, uh, power corrupts, right? Yeah. And there's a, like there's the a database, power. right? So you do. do, do well, I'm, I'm talking about, more talking about unions and how unions are able to protect police officers from uh, actually facing consequences based upon their actions. I'm talking about the thin blue line. I'm talking about the situation where it's like, oh, you you're not going to understand, guys. This is a cop thing. So we protect our our, our brother. We ra- we you know circle the wagons here, and I think that like that's that's accountability, and that's another major issue. What are your thoughts on that? Um, how could uh, the current accountability processes be shifted or adjusted uh, to make things better? There does there has to be more accountability in the end. I'm not saying you know just throw the whole system out, and you know there there's so many good parts of the system um that work uh there are just some that don't um how are we going to hold not only the officers accountable but individual departments themselves yeah. i think so part one of the issues is the unions uh the politicians who are who are doing the prosecuting and the police departments i mean that's who's doing the policing of the police, and they're all somewhat on the same team. I mean, they're arguing about what the punishments should be or if there should be one at all, but at the end of the day, it's somewhat self-regulation. So an independent council set up just for that may not be a bad idea. You know, have one in each – you don't have to have one in each city, but have like one in each district or something, maybe you know, to where – you know, we're not policing ourselves. Not not someone from Internal Affairs that married you the year before. <laughs> right. Hey, yeah, those things said- happen, unfortunately. Yeah. You know? And in the yeah. I think in the, yeah. the bigger the department is, the more nepotism there is. It seems like. Right. Um, yeah. But we have nepotism in these small departments too. You know. All right, David. Do you have any any last words? I just wanted to point on? out some things on the the mental health. If you Google. Uh, cop suicide, more than likely what you're going to come up with is suicide by cop. There are very few programs out there where police officers can go and talk to like-minded folk. Um, mm. And that's one of the biggest stigmas for police officers is telling uh, a general citizen the dirty, dark secrets that, you know, um, that we need help with. Okay. So there's just a couple of, uh, places that people can go they can go to bluehelp.org uh they can go to the marshall project and then um obviously the national suicide prevention lifeline phone number is 1-800-273-8255 1-800-273-8255 and i'd just like to say that um just if you are feeling depressed, get help. Just, or even if you aren't, if you saw some bad crap, that may come back to haunt you later on, like it did me. Just get help. Go talk to somebody. Yeah. There's, there's no, uh, there's nothing wrong with getting some help and asking for help. You'll be better off in the end, and your family will as well. Absolutely. 100%. Less officers. Yeah. Thank you, David. Well said. That was David Vanderport, The Dutch Hammer. The book title, by the way, I don't know if we said it. Inside a Cop's Mind. Inside a Cop's Mind. Yeah. Yeah. And 
Inside, Inside a Cow's Mind by mind. David Vanderport. You can get it on and Amazon. Some, and some context for that last part. David, um, can you give some context on the stats of officer suicides? I mean, it's... Officer suicides? Okay. Yeah. Last year in 2019, 228 officers took their lives. Compared to 89 in the line of duty deaths. So right. wow. over a two times rate we're taking our own lives. And that's not just last year that it tracks like that every year where more police officers are taking their lives than are killed in the line of duty. And something must be done. It's an epidemic that people don't talk about. And I think if we get to the root of that, a lot of other issues will solve themselves because of it. By the way, did you see cops was canceled after 33 years? It's, it's been a rough go for the police show cops. Hey, <laughs> I, I, tell you, yeah. I tell you what, I didn't watch it much anyway, but it, you know, yeah. it, right now, anything has to do with cops are being canceled. You guys might be canceled for having me on. So yeah. well, <laughs> that's it's right. a possibility, but thanks for coming on. <laughs> thanks yeah, thanks. You guys we'll for talk. Appreciate it. Uh, See you later. Yeah.